two F's that are effing great. Football and food. This is Pigskin and Burnt Ends with Patrick Netherton, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Hey everyone, we welcome you inside the Pigskin and Burnt Ends Podcast with Patrick Netherton. Uh, interestingly enough, it continues to be me, Patrick Netherton. Uh, that is at the helm. We are super excited to have you in with us this week and uh, definitely excited to welcome in our guest, three-time Super Bowl champion and one of the best analysts in all of college football, Randy Cross from CBS Sports. You can catch him on Inside College Football on CBS Sports Network. As I continue to tell you, we had Adam Zucker on last week. Look, Inside College Football is the single best show that is on television when it comes to in-depth analysis of college football. It just truly is. There's not a better show out there, so I can't recommend it more highly. Go check out Inside College Football on CBS Sports Network. Make sure you set your DVR for it, and make sure that you're watching that week in and week out. Uh, So this week on Pigskin and Burn Ends, we're obviously going to talk about the LSU game and what they did going on the road and getting the win at Florida. We talked last week about how that would be a linchpin game for the rest of the season for LSU, and we'll discuss that. We also have to tell you about a nice little barbecue trip we took this week. We haven't had a lot of the pigskin, uh, we've had a lot of the pigskin, but not a lot of the burnt ends portion of the show. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about what went down when we traveled to a new barbecue restaurant down in Houston, Texas. So uh, that's coming up. We'll have our conversation with Randy Cross, and then we'll take a look at this week's game as LSU gets set to take on Ole Miss, and kind of just talk about everything in general in the world of college football. Uh, Hey guys, with the college football season now underway, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to BetUS.com, that's B-E-T-U-S.com, and take advantage of an offer we have on with our shows from College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22, that's COAST22. Put $100 in, get an additional $125 to play with. $200 initial deposit, that gets you $250, and so on. Also, BetUS has the NFL, the MLB postseason, and the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of or wager on. But we know you're college football fans. We want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with the code COAST22. That's COAST22. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. All right, let's talk a little LSU and Florida. We mentioned last week's show that this would be a linchpin game for LSU. Uh, Winning this game means that there is the very real potential that you could go get Arkansas, you could go get Texas A&M, you certainly think you should go get UAB, and now that Alabama game, along with Ole Miss this week, those become more of a toss-up than we thought they were originally. And that's because we saw exactly what we needed to see out of Jaden Daniels. We wanted to see the progression in the pocket, the ability to throw a receiver open, the anticipation of the throw, not just, I need to wait until I see the guy open 
and then make the throw. We saw him anticipating his receivers coming open and then making that throw maybe before they were in the clear or, you know, quote unquote open. And so that is the maturation process that we've been looking for and that Brian Kelly has talked about quite a bit that he needed to see from Jaden Daniels. He saw it. And that means that LSU becomes a much more dangerous team because with the ability to throw how and when they want to and not because they have to, as they had to against Tennessee, when you have the ability to operate in that direction where you are dictating to the defense, not vice versa, now all of a sudden this is a much different and better and more dangerous offense doesn't have to rely on Jaden Daniels' feet, as we saw. Great running attack. The running backs getting involved this past week. That's a big deal. And so with that, you see the offense sort of blooming and coming into fruition. And when that happens, now LSU becomes a a so much more dangerous team when they get out there on the field offensively. Now you have to be concerned if you're a defense about Jaden Daniels beating you from the pocket, not just beating you with his feet, which again, Tennessee, a lot of points, you know, scored a lot. We know that, but they're, they basically were able to take Jaden Daniels' ability to run out of the equation. And so what happened against Florida? Well, with Daniels being able to throw when he wanted to, how he wanted to, and completing those passes, then he was not forced to scramble because he was comfortable in the pocket, and he ran on his terms. And that's why he had um, multiple rushing touchdowns in that game, because it wasn't he was dropping back and he was under pressure or he didn't like his read or he was escaping. He was running and scoring on the designed runs, the QB draws, the read option where he's pulling it because he's reading the defender and he's taking it himself for the touchdown. That's what LSU's offense wants to be. That's what they would like to be. And you saw the potential of what they can be. And if LSU performs like that, as they move forward, they will be in every game. The defense has played well enough. Yes, I know uh, Florida scored 30-plus, and there was some shoddy tackling in that game. You know, Anthony Richardson got out for that long run where he seemingly bounced off of about 51 different people on his way to the end zone. That's not something that's going to happen week in and week out. There were big plays that were given up, which is not something that LSU had done a ton of coming in. And but again, Florida, uh, you know, you've got a a system. You got a quarterback that can get it downfield. You got athletes on the outside, so you occasionally might give up something like that. I consider the Richardson run a bit of a fluke. You you probably won't see um, you won't see a Bryce Young do that. You won't see necessarily a Jackson Dart do that. Uh, though Ole Miss runs the ball well, we'll talk about Ole Miss coming up here in just a bit. Uh, but I think LSU showed, offensively at least, that they can do what they need to to win a game. And sometimes that means you've got to score 40. Sometimes it means you've got to control the ball. Sometimes it means you will need to run a lot of plays, right? It just it just kind of depends. But week by week, your ability to change what you do, alter who you are, and and be able to dictate to the defense, hey, this week, 
we know we're going to get a lot on read options. So we're going to be heavy read option, but we're going to do it as we want to. You're not going to force us to throw when we're not ready to throw. Hey, this week we know we've got to air it out a little bit more. We're going to we're going to kind of mix in the run game, but you're not going to dictate to us when we run the ball. We are going to run it when we want to. And that's the step that we saw this uh, LSU offense take this past weekend. Will it continue? We'll talk about that. And actually Randy Cross will have some thoughts on the LSU Florida game coming, excuse me, the Ole Miss um, uh, LSU game coming up this weekend. So uh, good stuff from from Jaden Daniels, what we needed to see from him. Can he keep that up for the rest of the season? He's going to have tough games. We know that. It's going to be a struggle at times. Can he do what he did in that game uh, over the course of the rest of the season? Not likely. Again, ups and downs. We know that's going to happen, but you see the potential that is there. And he sees, I hope, the potential that is there. Hopefully that uh, kind of allows him to understand that this can be a very dynamic offense. All right, so you know this is the Pigskin and Burn Ends podcast. We talked a little pigskin. Let's talk a little Burn Ends. Uh, This week went down to Houston as uh, Northwestern State was taking on Houston Baptist. If you haven't listened to the podcast prior, I call games for Northwestern State, uh, both on, on radio, on the road, and then I do ESPN Plus at home. And the Demons were on the road taking on Houston Christian, that used to be Houston Baptist, at one of my favorite fields, um, which is right next to it, literally uh, next to a CVS. Uh, one of my favorite fields, there's no visiting stands, there's a visiting sideline, and then behind that is a fence, and then behind that is the field house on the, the north, north end zone side, and a CVS pharmacy on the south end zone side. It's, it's lovely. It's unique. I love, I love weird venues like that. Uh, maybe later in the season, we'll talk about the stage, the former basketball venue for the University of Texas Arlington. Uh, the Mavs played in one of the most insane venues you'd ever find. Basically, it was a performing arts center on stage of a, of a performing arts center. Uh, so I love weird venues like that. And that's why I love Husky Stadium down in Houston. Uh, by the way, Demons got a really nice 37-10 win. Northwestern State 3-0 in Southland Conference play and leading the league as they step out of conference this week. But uh, we did get a little barbecue. And look, I've been to pretty much every, uh, uh, all of the top 50 places in Houston, all of the most highly ranked places in Houston. I've, I've been to pretty much all of them. My favorite barbecue place still remains Killens down in Pearland, a uh, suburb south of Houston. Love that place. We went to a newer spot called J Bar M, J Bar M Barbecue. It's in what they call Edo, uh, Houston, or Edo, which is East Downtown. And don't get me started on abbreviations for stuff. But anyway, East Downtown or Edo is where J Bar M Barbecue is. And I got to tell you, it was uh, it was lovely. It's a newer place, really uh, beautiful building, uh, very modern, and looks nice. Has a big outdoor patio with a, a stage. Like you can tell they they certainly have music in there. Probably have good crowds for for you know Astros games and Texans games and things like that. And I was uh, was told by Daniel Vaughn, who is the editor of Texas Monthly Magazine who does, he's their barbecue editor of Texas Monthly Magazine. And he said, look, this is a a good new place. Had a great time there. Go check it out. So we did. Uh, Let's see. We got some brisket. We got some ribs. We got uh, uh, jalapeno cheddar sausage. We picked up a little pulled pork. 
We got some sides. We had a, a mac and cheese. We had a cream corn. Uh, and then we had some charro beans. And I, I got the banana pudding to finish it all off. And I've got to say, it was it was quite lovely. Brisket was a little undercooked, which means the fat wasn't quite rendered out the way you'd want it to be. Um, and it was just a little bit tough. But I mean, I'm talking uh, just minute, minute uh, shades here. All right. It wasn't like it was raw or anything. It just was slightly, slightly undercooked and it was still delicious. Good flavor profile. Two sauces they had, they had a, a mustard based sauce, which was pretty good. And they had a very interesting sort of, uh, berry barbecue sauce. Almost, it almost, it was almost like a, a compote or a, a jam almost like a raspberry jam. Very good. And it flavored well. It, it mixed well with the flavors of the brisket. Ribs, I thought, were the star. Uh, they were spectacular. A little bit under as well, but not by, a mu- by much. Again, I'm, I'm nitpicking. But the, the flavor profile of those ribs was absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I'm telling you, they were, they were spot on. The jalapeno cheddar sausage was really good. It was so good that the cheese was literally melting out of the sausage. Uh, which means you know it's good. Cream corn was good, a bit spicy, which was okay with me. Uh, mac and cheese was delicious, very creamy. Uh, and the charro beans were also very good and had some brisket mixed in. So if you're ever in the Houston area and you want a different place, it's not it's not going to be super crowded. Uh, although by the time we got in early, we got in before noon on Saturday. And by the time it got to be about 1230 and we were getting ready to leave, they had a nice line built up. Uh, but go in there, I tell you all the time, go to any barbecue place, make sure you go in before noon. So pretty, uh, pretty uh, good place. I, I'd highly recommend it. It's one of those that'll be fighting for a spot on, on next uh, edition of the Texas Monthly Top 50 list. So if you're looking for a different place out of the way a little bit that maybe won't have the kind of crowds that you would get at a Pinkerton's or at a Killen's uh, or at a Truth or one of those, I highly recommend J Bar M Barbecue. Not a bad spot at all. All right, uh, let's just get our interview portion of the Pigskin and Burn Ends podcast. We always like to chat with uh, someone within the uh, the greater college football landscape, whether it be someone within you know more of the LSU side or more the national side. And today we're going national side. I have a lot of friends on the inside college football uh, show on CBS Sports Network. We talked to Adam Zucker last week. We're working on getting Brian Jones in here. Aaron Taylor we've had on before. He's a friend. Uh, And so we went to Randy Cross. Randy Cross is uh, an old friend. I've obviously known him from the CBS days. Three-time Super Bowl champion, star at UCLA, a guy who absolutely positively knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. Uh, he He is spectacular. So Randy Cross joined me on my radio show. And we will give you that interview right now with inside college football analyst, Randy Cross. May also be catching this on the Pigskin and Burn-Ins podcast. We appreciate you uh, tuning in there or on the Patrick Netherton show, however you uh, like to consume our media. Speaking of guys that's multimedia all over the place, Randy Cross, three-time Super Bowl champion inside college football, college football analyst for CBS joins us. Randy, what's up, my brother? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I mean, it's uh, right in the middle of the best time of the year. How bad can you be? No, it's uh, it's good. And it's and college football's been delightfully uh, kind of weird and, and not, I guess maybe, I don't know if it's not what we expected, but we certainly are seeing some things 
uh, that we weren't expecting going in. And obviously last week, Tennessee taking down Alabama the way they did was, was chief among them. I've got to imagine it's years like this that, that are the most fun for you guys, right? I, I think they are. You know, I, I, it's the studies of the teams and, and the dynamic of a team. And, you know, just because Nick's been around so long at Alabama, he's usually kind of the best example of a team that, you know, you see him. And when you look at him early or in the middle of the year, you'll go, you know, they're really not that impressive. But something in the back of your mind sort of tells you, you know, if they keep getting better, and they've obviously got a lot of things to get better at now, but, I mean, you think if they keep getting better, they're going to be really good at the end of the year. I'm not sure who's going to beat them. Um, and Ohio State's like that, you know, to this point, there's probably half a dozen teams you could say that about. But, uh, yeah, that, that game was – it was incredible. It was it was all the superlatives you want to bring up, but it was also – how out of character was that, Patrick? Yeah. I mean, 17 penalties, um, giving up – you know, 500 and something yards, that's not what you normally expect out of Alabama. No, but... Even, even, even close. But, Randy, I think we... You know, Josh Heupel is running a system that's somewhat similar to Hugh Freeze. Uh, you know, they kind of run both of that, the, the no-huddle, hurry-up stuff. And and that's the stuff that seems to really get Saban because Freeze always seemed to have Saban's number, even with a talent deficit at Ole Miss. And it appears that Josh Heupel is doing has that same kind of formula. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's tried and true to this point. You know, it started out with you know seven on seven when it really became a huge thing in high school and everything else. Uh, you spread the field, you know, horizontally, and you make people uncomfortable and speed makes people uncomfortable and there, there's one thing that makes big people especially on defense really uncomfortable is space and if you get them in space whether it's with split or it's with formations or it's with motion you can get people you know the best the best thing i heard is it and this is this may or may not make a whole lot of sense to you but i had a coach about two weeks ago say i was asking him what makes them so hard to defend this offense, and it's this style of offense, just like Heupel runs. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, it makes big guys do little guy things, and little guys do big guy things. Mm. And if they get you caught in that, that's their game, and you are out of luck. You're going to have a hard time stopping. Yeah, the problem is you have to be – uh, it, it a it's hard to get you know to get your defensive signals in in time, but also you can't match up with what they do. You you have to ha- kind of have a uh, almost a base alignment. It's hard to then come in with okay, well it's third in a yard. We'd like to bring in our big personnel in in case of a run, but they haven't subbed and they're moving at warp speed, so we can't sub. And so it really makes you defend everything they do, whether it's long yardage, short yardage, whatever, with the same personnel grouping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even somebody like Utah, did you see their, the formation on the two-point conversion? Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't what the normal thing you expect out of Utah. I think of Utah, I think of, you know, 12 formation, the one back and two tight ends, right. and power football and whatnot. With Cam Rising now, even even they're getting to the point where they're in the two or three yard line. They're spreading out, and that gives you so much more you can do. I I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, 
It will affect record books. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to affect those pretty severely. And, and we're seeing that. But that's okay. That's okay. Hey. You know, and, and during all that, it's funny, you, you brought up um, like an old Miss type situation. Mm-hmm. How about them? Yeah. What's up with old? I mean, old Miss running the heck out of the ball. Yep. Has the world lost its mind? Lane Kiffin is is playing ground and pound. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's it is wild, but it. I think it also speaks to the nature. You know, Lane Kiffin, and I think Heupel is is a good example of this. Guys that are willing to do what their team does best. And I and I love that because you know Kiffin, Kiffin has been around long enough where he was coaching more old style, old school style offenses. So it's not like he didn't he doesn't know how to run the ball. He doesn't know how to line up and pound it at you. Uh, but he's you know he's had Matt Corral, and why would you line up and and run it? Uh, 40 times when you got Matt Corral out there. Well, now his personnel's different, and he's a guy, and I love these guys that are willing to adapt to what they have on, available to them. Yeah, and, and you know what they also have? They have the willingness to run the same style formation, but then run out of it, you know, to, to use the running back and use that space inside. And the key really to me for defensive football, and that's at all levels usually, but especially the way the college game is evolving, which will mean it'll kind of percolate up into the pros as it has over the last five years. Um, first tackler. That's one of my favorite stats. And it's funny because you can never get stats people to keep track of that. Right. It drives me nuts because I'm always asking them in the booth. And the guy looks at me like I'm speaking Swahili. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, the first tackler is so important. Mm-hmm. And you just keep track of that during the game and how often that guy gets tackled. And the really good defenses are consistently good at the first tackler. And the ones that struggle, because once you break the first one with these formations, you're going to get at least 10. Yeah. And that's one of the things we we've t- we talk about a lot, sort of generically as, boy, tackling has gone down, right? The ability to tackle, and we, and we see – uh, week in and week out, uh, Anthony Richardson had a had a crazy touchdown run against LSU, where about five different guys just sort of bounced off of him, and none of them wrapped him up. Uh, that's it. Does seem to be somewhat of an epidemic, and I do wonder, though, Randy, that the way practices have changed and the amount of time that you have available, you don't really go two a days anymore. You know, do you think that has there's a correlation between? what and how much time they have available to practice and the, the sort of the lack of tackling that we see at large? Yeah, ask, ask a coach. It's the first thing they're going to tell you, especially a guy at defensive base. They don't get the cha- a chance to tackle. They never tackle live. I mean, they, they, they really start tackling when the games start counting. Mm-hmm. And, and it looks like it, too. And that can be, that can be really difficult because those big – you've seen the – you see them in warm-ups, but they're all over the practice fields. The big donut yeah. that they use to ca- tackle. Yeah, they, they roll it out last, there, and they have to go tackle it. Yeah, last time I checked, donut don't hit back. Right. The or donut, move. The donut, doesn't, the donut doesn't move. The donut doesn't straight arm you. The donut doesn't lift. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, and it's, I don't think it's, it should be that surprising. Because as we get more hyped up about taking care of the players, and rightfully so, because there's some stuff coming down the road eventually for guys that, that abuse that whole tackle with your head and all that. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I think it's a smart idea. That's just one of the byproducts uh, that that we're going to have to live with. You're, not that living with 52 to 49 is a terrible thing. But that being said, even wilder is we're also getting our share of weird low scores at, from time to time, right? I go back, I think of Kansas and Iowa State. Kansas came in averaging 40-something points a game, and that was a 14-11 to 11 game. Uh, obviously, yeah. we know Iowa can't score 14 points in five games, like, combined. It's, like, it's so strange to me in this day and age of the kind of offensive revolution that there are still teams that seemingly are stuck in the mud. There are lots of teams that have a tried-and-true way of playing and a tried-and-true way of doing things that, as we speak, aren't changing. Um, or they can't function. I mean, on the pro level, explain to me the Denver Broncos. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they've got a 200 something million dollar quarterback mm-hmm. and they can't score 17 points to save their lives. Yep. Um, you know, and, and you, know, you bring up a great example with Iowa, but that's that's more of a, a program personality thing. That's a choice. You know, they, they're a line of they're a line of scrimmage program, and you know that going in. Their their problem is going to be adjusting within their own. They're going to play Michigan. That's right up their alley. They're both going to tee off on each other. Right. The only thing that's going to come out of that is bruises. Yeah. The problem is they play Ohio State this weekend. That's uh, yeah. that's not great for them. Uh, there, there's it's going to be tough to keep up. And by the way, speaking of of you know crazy offenses. The guy who really invented the, the, the hurry-up, no-huddle stuff was Rich Rodriguez back when he was at junior college and just kind of yep. experimented with it. Of course, he loves to run the ball out of it, as we all remember. I don't know if you saw – did you see the story? You know, he's at Jacksonville State now, and they're transitioning, and they're having a great year. Do you see the story where he ran the same play 16 times in a row? Yep. I mean, yep. I love it. Like that that's, sounds, I love that, it. That sounds like Rich, that sounds like Rich Rod. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, it's it, like you said, people go with what works for them and he's doing, and he's gotten back to what works for him on the football field. And it'll, it'll be fun to see, you know, how that, that whole thing progresses with him, but running the same play, you, you know why he ran it 16 times? Cause they, they didn't stop, stop it. 50, they didn't stop it. Yeah. 15 times. Yeah. It's the old. Uh, it's the old. How did you make a twelve on that hole? Well, I missed the putt for eleven. You know, it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's that's yeah. it's that same old joke. Like if you're not going to stop it fifteen times, I'm going to try it a sixteenth time. Like absolutely, that's, I, a tri- that's that's a tried and true football coaches. Almost, you know, that's on the tablets that came down off the mountain when football was invented for coaches. If you don't stop it, they ain't going to stop doing it. No, absolutely. Talking to Randy Cross, uh, Inside College Football on CBS Sports Network. Uh, watched it last night. It is uh, it is absolute must-viewing if you're a fan of college football. Uh, they have a great time. They have a lot of fun. There's also a lot of really good information that comes out of that, um, including I, I love the the piece on the Toothless Wonder, right? The, the linebacker from San Diego yeah. State. That was 
an un- unbelievable piece. Never didn't know the story. Had no idea. Had, had such a great, a, a lot of fun. That's the kind of stuff you're getting on Inside College Football. So uh, make sure you tune in. Hey, I'd be remiss since we're down in Louisiana, Randy, about uh, getting your thoughts on LSU and Brian Kelly. Uh, I said that I thought last week's game against Florida was kind of the linchpin game. If you win that and you see the progression from Jaden Daniels that everyone's been wanting to see, then I think you have a chance against Ole Miss. You you know have a chance against A and M. You have a chance against Arkansas. Uh, you could potentially win three, four games down the stretch with UAB thrown in. But what are y'all seeing on more of a national level from Brian Kelly and and his first year at LSU? You know, I, I think in the national sense, sort of on that radar, that group radar, they dropped all the way off after the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And everybody looked at it and went, oh, okay, well, that's a rebuild. It's going to take him a while to get their stuff back back together. Um, I actually like them this week against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the home team in that series, I think what, what they've won nine out of the last ten games. Um, and that is going to be a that's going to be a great game, and I think what Brian Kelly has done, the, the power of embarrassment. And I'm not talking about the fake Southern accent early on, right? Family, I'm just <laughs> family uh, is the stuff on the field. Uh, at least my impression is they've harnessed that pretty well, and it, it, it's going to be. They can run all sorts of tricky offenses. They can do all sorts of neat things on defense. They can do whatever they want. The bottom line, especially where they're at in that SEC West, you better come out just tough, physical, nasty, and no one really gives two flips how many stars you got or anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, that message is starting to sink in. Uh, talking to Randy Cross from Inside College Football. All right, uh, let's let's back out and kind of look big picture nationally. Uh, I, I keep looking at this and I think, all right, we haven't expanded the playoffs yet, which we need to desperately. Uh, but that's you know, it's a discussion for a, for a different time. At the same time, I keep looking at this and going, are we going to actually get to four teams, or is this the year that we finally look and go, okay? we really could pick six or seven because it feels like there's about seven or eight, nine different teams out there that you could realistically look at as, hey, this could this should be a playoff team even if they don't make it. Um, yeah, it would look like it right now. I think this is that period of the season, this next two or three, four weeks, mm-hmm. where you're going to have a lot of attrition. You know, there's teams that are going to start picking each other off and, the, the, the unbeaten will start falling away. And once you lose a game and your name's not Alabama, people right. will not give you a benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, that's going to take care of itself. I've never been a big believer in double digits is necessary for a playoff. Because mm-hmm. I look every year, and I've gone back as many years as you want to go back, identify the number 12 team in the country at the last poll of the year and tell me how much they deserve to get a chance to play for the national championship. Right. 90, 99% of the time, you can't look at that and go, oh, gee, that's just not fair. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to be probably 25, 26, something like that. Um, I think what we're going to have, the way it's starting to round up, and people aren't going to like it, but it's going to be a pretty SEC and Big Ten heavy mm-hmm. Final Four. Yep. And that won't do, that won't do anything but hasten people wanting to have uh, a wider 
uh, inclusion when it comes to the playoffs. Right. And that's the funny thing. You know, everyone was like, oh, man, I can't believe 12. Like, why would Greg Sankey, uh, you know, why would he agree to 12? Like, because he's going to get four teams in. Like, of course he's going to agree to 12. <laughs> like, he's going to have the most teams in every single year. So, of course he's going to agree to have to, to expand because that benefits him. Uh, it just it's it, it's hilarious how sometimes people don't really see what's actually going on. Um, all right, uh, you've already predicted that LSU is going to beat Ole Miss this week. What about your alma mater? That's a huge game coming up. Uh, UCLA and Oregon, a nine ten matchup. Where do you see that one falling? Yeah, I like it. I, I'm going with my Bruins. Part of it's my heart. And sure. A bit of it, I think, is my head. I think DTR is might be the best player in America that. 90% of the football fans haven't actually seen play. Mm-hmm. And, and if you get a chance, watch this kid play. He is something. Uh, Charbonnet, uh, that running back is mm-hmm. pretty good. Lau, at, def- at linebacker, is really good on the other side. At the line of scrimmage, I went to the Washington game. They were really physical. And I was shocked because Washington's always physical. That's always been kind of a litmus test for me in the Pac-12. And they're, they're, I think they beat Oregon, and they beat them by double digits. Well, there you go. And look, uh, obviously would be would be pretty fun for Chip Kelly to do that. I know there's he's been gone long enough. There's probably not not a whole lot of, uh, of ill will towards Oregon. But still, uh, what he's doing at, at UCLA is, is pretty impressive. Randy, you're the best, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. Please, uh, please tell all the boys up in New York that I said hello. We love all of them. Uh, even if New Heisel won't ever answer a text or, or get on my show, I still love him anyway. Uh, brother, you're the best. Thank you so much for your time, man. My pleasure, Patrick. No problem, man. All right. Randy Cross, Inside College Football on CBS Sports Network. Go out and call some games from time to time. My man's all over the place. He is a fantastic analyst, and we appreciate him uh, giving us a little bit of his time. Very nice of him. All right, great stuff from Randy Cross there. We appreciate him uh, spending a little time with us. He is uh, He's fantastic, man. Love Randy Cross, one of my favorites. Dude uh, absolutely knows what he's talking about. Hey, college football fans, with the season getting going, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, especially now that you're getting some of those really, really good matchups down the stretch. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those of you listening right here to the podcast on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with the promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And by the way, that code's not just one time. Use it as many times as you want throughout the season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. 
All right, let's finish it out and let's talk quickly about LSU and Ole Miss. An interesting matchup here, especially with Lane Kiffin suddenly being a running coach. You may have heard, if you listened to the conversation with Randy Cross, he thinks LSU gets the win in this ballgame. I think it's going to be very possible that LSU gets the win. It's at home. It's in the afternoon, not the evening, but 2.30 is not a bad start time. LSU fans will be able to pour in there and, and, uh, and be loud. And again, after the Florida game, which I kept talking about as the linchpin game of the season, after the win over Florida, LSU has a lot of confidence. This is a team that goes in knowing that it can beat anyone left on their schedule, even Alabama, who looked unbeatable until last weekend in the loss to Tennessee. But I think LSU looks at it and they say, hey, this is an opportunity. Go in, try to figure out how to stop that ground game. Lane Kiffin, brilliant play caller, always has been relying on the ground game this year, more of the run game. Find a way to try to slow that down and see if you can make Jackson Dart beat you through the air. It's kind of the recipe that a lot of teams were trying to use against LSU and Jaden Daniels with the exception of the fact they weren't necessarily trying to stop the running backs. They were trying to stop Daniels, the running quarterback. I think the the one problem you're looking at is you don't have one of your safeties in Major Burns. You don't have Mason Smith, one of the big uh, run stuffers in the middle. That's going to be an issue. But other than that, it feels like this LSU team should be geared up to play well. And I think there's an opportunity, much like we saw last weekend, that LSU might just outscore Ole Miss. Not necessarily a defensive battle, not necessarily, hey, we're getting a bunch of stops, but the offense is playing well and putting some points up on the board because they do have playmakers all over uh, that offense. Offensive line remains a, a bit of a concern, a bit of an issue. We'll see if Ole Miss can get any pressure. Uh, but Daniel's, of course, elusive. Just love the way that he is starting to build confidence from the pocket. I think that makes an absolutely huge difference in this one. Uh, not, I think I think LSU probably wins. I don't know that I'm super confident about that one. I think this is one of those toss-up games that you know both teams are kind of right there. So I don't necessarily just 100% believe that LSU wins that game. I felt pretty confident that they would beat Florida. Uh, I feel less confident they'll beat Ole Miss. Obviously, Ole Miss hasn't played anyone. Their schedule's pretty weak, so this will be a tough test for Lane Kiffin's group as well. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pigskin and Burnt Ends. Appreciate everyone joining us, everyone taking time. Uh, Don't forget to like and subscribe. Go follow all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, covering everything, the service academies, the Midwest, uh, uh, Louisville, the, the Northeast, the south, the West. I mean, we've got it all covered. Notre Dame, we got everybody on lock here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. So go follow and like and subscribe to all of those podcasts. We really would appreciate it. We thank you so much for tuning in, being a part of this. Thanks for listening. Go follow me at PT Netherton or follow my show on the radio at Netherton Show or search for The Patrick Netherton Show on Facebook. We would love to have you on a daily basis. As we always say here on Pigskin and Burn Ends, even if you don't win the game, always win the road trip. And we look forward to seeing you next week on the Pigskin and Burn Ends podcast.